What are we on the subject of? Purpose. God has a purpose for your life. No matter your age, amen, no matter your wor- where you're at, he has a purpose. And so I, I went ahead and I wanted to emphasize as we review here. It says, true leadership cannot be born or exist without a sense of purpose. Purpose is the discovery of a reason for your existence and is defined as the original intent for the creation of a thing. Every human being was created for a specific purpose, and when that purpose is discovered, then a leader is born. So you have a purpose for your life. If you're young and you don't know that purpose, then you need to find out. Amen. Let's go to the next one. True success for the believer is discovering and fulfilling the Father's purpose for their life. That's success. Next one. Step one, we talked about seven steps that we're referring to, and we've gone through, I think, three. But step one was understanding the Father's purpose and providence. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Has the Father started a good work in us? Is he going to finish it? Yes. Romans 8.28, and we know all that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So that's God's providence. Here's another one, 2 Timothy. It says, who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We said the Father's purpose is centered in what? in his son, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We said the believer's purpose is found in Christ. So God's purpose and plan for your life, we said, is spiritually discerned. If you do not know your purpose on planet earth, then get this book and find out and begin to dig into this book. And the word of God is a lamp to your feet and a light on your path. Go on. Step three, we talked about passion. How many of you are passionate? How many of you remember when you first started dating? You don't, huh? It's been that long. I know not or understand that, but... Do you remember, were you passionate? Amen. See, Jasmine and Blake, there's, there's passion there because they're young. But when you've been married 35 years, sometimes there's not that passion. Well, some of you are looking at me like, oh, let's not get into that. But sometimes your passion can wane in life, and you need to stir it up again. Amen? So we need to understand God's purpose and passion, God's will for your life, and look at what you desire to accomplish. The things that are continually, you're thinking about them all the time. They come up in your spirit. You find yourself reflecting on that. That's probably God. Okay, we said when you're passionate about something, you feel compelled to do it. Leadership is born when one discovers a divine obligation to his community, world, and generation. Do you think I preach and minister with passion? You have any doubt? So you can be that way, whatever God's called you to be. Granted, there's days we don't feel that way. Granted, there's days I don't feel like I'm a pastor and I'm very passionate. But you know it's there. That's why Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that's in you. Is that it? Okay. 
Yeah, all right. Thank you. We're going to go on today, and I want to read to you something. And you might, you know, we've talked about those three steps. Now we're going on to the next step. And I guess we could talk about and give you this title. It's the pursuit of purpose. Everyone say pursuit. Are to pursue. See, when you were passionate with Beth many, many years ago, you still are. That's a nice thing to say. Did you chase her around? Still do. We don't need the details, son. But when you're passionate about something, you're going to find yourself. Do you like to fish? Would you say there's a passion in you to fish? The spirit of Lonnie is on you. You find yourself chasing after that. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I guess you could give it another word, and it's called commitment. So I'll slide in the commitment sermon with the pursuit of passion, or the passion of your pursuit, pursuing your purpose. I want to read to you, this is a book about generals, okay? These are quotes from, how many of you remember Douglas MacArthur? He said, it is fatal to enter any war without the will to win it. Good. Napoleon Bonaparte, he says, if you start to take Vienna, then take Vienna. Genghis Khan, you know who that is? He says, the merit of the action lies in finishing it to the end. How many remember General Ulysses Grant? He says, I propose to fight it out on this line if it takes all summer. Would you say there's, there's a passion there or there's a a pursuit or a commitment to finish something. And then Hannibal says, we will either find a way or make one. He says, what the generals are saying here is that if you're going to do something, then do it. Half-hearted efforts are a total waste of time and resources. Moreover, if you're leading the effort, you can't expect any of your followers to be more committed than you are. So if you give a nice pep talk about how important some task is and then leave the scene for more comfortable surroundings, you can expect very little commitment from anyone on this important task. If the task is truly crucial, MacArthur talks about worries, is you simply shouldn't get involved unless you plan to go all the way. In business, it's just plain stupid and perhaps unfair to those who follow you. In war, it's criminal. Lincoln instantly grasped the difference between Ulysses S. Grant and many of his other generals. I cannot spare this man, Lincoln said. He fights. When someone pointed out rumors that Grant drank, Lincoln retorted, tell me his brand so that I may say, say, save some and send it to all my generals. <laughs> William Sherman, who succeeded Grant as general-in-chief after the Civil War, and Grant had been elected president, said, I know more about strategy, logistics, and every aspect of military employment than he. However... There's one aspect in which Grant beats me and everyone else. He runs into problems, and it doesn't bother him. He keeps pressing on. How many of you run into problems this week? And maybe you thought, oh, I'm going to quit. It's not worth it. I'm going to give up. That's not the God way. He says, those, he says, those same problems scare the hell out of me and, and would cause me to hesitate. After Grant had been promoted to general-in-chief by Lincoln, Lee asked his most trusted deputy, 
Lieutenant General James Pete Longstreet about him. Longstreet had known Grant at West Point and had been one of his best friends. In fact, Longstreet had served as Grant's best man when he was married. Tell me about this new fellow, Lee asked. You knew him well, and to tell the truth, I cannot even remember what he looks like from the Mexican War. Longstreet's answer was to the effect of, Boss, we've got big problems. Longstreet knew that Grant simply wouldn't quit. Genghis Khan may not have been educated at West Point or any, or any other military academy, but he clearly understood the essence and importance of commitment. He cuts right to the chase when he tells us that the benefit of any action lies in completing it. How many good and worthy projects have you started that you've never completed? Anybody or just me? Hannibal led elephants from Africa across the Alps and into ancient Rome to get at his opponents. The Romans said it couldn't be done. Weren't they surprised? Later, at, the, at a battle, Hannibal took on 70,000 determined, well-trained, well-fed Romans with about one quarter of that number of his Carthaginians. In the most decisive battle in the history of warfare, he not only won, he left 80% of the Romans dead on the battlefield. We will find a way or make one, he said. According to the wisdom of the generals, if you're going to start something, finish it, or otherwise don't start it. Number two, don't, no matter how tough things are or how long they may take, fight it out if it takes all summer. Number three, if you can't find a way, make one. Number four, the merit of any action is in completing it. What are we talking about today? We're talking about going after God's purpose for your life. And if, if you don't know God's purpose for your life, then take time and get along with God and get it. Find out what it is. I told you <clears throat> many years ago, this is before I met Kathy, I'd gotten born again, filled with the Spirit of God. I lived at home with my mother for many years, and I can see my kids don't, they're not going to leave either. I sowed seed. Talk about the law of sowing and reaping. I just never left mom and just, you know, I'd lot, my dad had died of cancer and I just lived with her. I lived apart for a while with another guy, but that was too expensive, so I came home. But what I would do, long before I even met Kathy, I'd go to my room and I'd get on my knees and I'd pray in tongues. And I didn't even understand because I had no teaching. Nobody had taught me about the importance of praying in, the, in, praying in tongues. And I'd, I'd get up in my room and I can remember my mother telling her sister, Mike just goes to his room and he never comes out. She must have been concerned. But I was on my knees praying in the Spirit. Because I was concerned about my future. I did not know what God had for me. There was a stirring in my heart. But I didn't know up here in my head. And what I did is I prayed in the spirit. And this is the thing. This is, I'm getting off track here. But some of you need to hear, that, hear this. If you don't know what to do, then get on your knees and pray in other tongues in the gift, that spiritual language that God has given you. Because when you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying out your future. I'll say that again. When you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying out your future. And what I was doing, I hadn't met her yet. 
But God was setting everything in motion for my life. Getting me married, getting me to the Bible school that I needed to go to, and then to fulfill the call and my spiritual destiny in coming to this city. It all was birthed out of praying in tongues. Now, that's not my subject today, but I'm telling you what. There are people here today that don't pray in tongues. And the sad thing is you've been filled with the Spirit and you have that language. But you're lazy. And you're not committed. I hope I'm making you uneasy. But that's the Spirit of God. That's conviction. If you've not been filled with the Spirit of God, you need to get filled. It's so important. And we have any, because we're going to talk about prayer and purpose. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you can pray out your future. If you don't know what God's called you to do in this life, then get on your knees and find out. Well, I'm going to talk to my counselor, I'm going to talk to my psychiatrist. I'm going to go talk to the preacher, see what he thinks. No, you talk to God. Hear from heaven. Because when you get a rhema from heaven, that logos becomes a rhema, you know that you know that you know. I knew, see, after a while, after prayer, I knew I was called to go to rhema Bible training center. And I was, that was even before I met her. And then I got through a curveball and, and he realized I needed her in my life. Because she was a pillar of strength. Uh, I've told you this story, but I'll, I'll, it's, it's the truth. We got in the car. We weren't married. We drove all the way to Tulsa so I could, because they had turned down my application. Because on my application to Bible school, I said I drank. I'm just an honest guy. And so I got, I got down there. We drove all the way to Tulsa, sitting in the, the parking lot of the Bible school, and I wouldn't go in. I wasn't as passionate about the things of God, you know, that I am now. And, and she said, I didn't drive all the way down here 10 hours to sit in this parking lot. You take that in and go talk to the school and find out why you were rejected to this Bible school. Now you know what kind of woman I married. And she still does that. But you know, we men need that. Got a pretty weak, pathetic amen from that. So I went in, found out why I was rejected. But it all worked out. But I want you to see, you got to pray it out. I'm, I, I hope today I'm stirring your heart to realize how important it is to be filled with the Spirit of God and speak in other tongues. This is a church that believes in the gospel, the full gospel. Pursue defined. Let's talk about that word pursue. Webster says, to try to find, to get, to win, to strive for, to seek after. Pursuit is defined as an occupation, a career, an interest to which one devotes time and energy. Now, in the Greek, here's what the word pursue means. And you'll find the word follow in the King James, and that's what we want to look at. There's basic, there's three different English words from this Greek word. The first one is to follow. And it implies this. It means to habitually follow. 
So that's a strong thing. If, if you're talking about pursuing God's purpose for your life, you're going to follow after it. Nothing's going to deter you from fulfilling God's plans and purpose for your life. Nothing like the general just said. Well, we talked about what the general said. Nothing would deter them or stop them from success. This word, interestingly, Brian, is a hunting term. How many of you hunt? And it describes the way a hunter would follow his prey. He's committed to, first he has to find the prey, kill it, then he has to track it. And he's going to do whatever it takes to find that that animal that he has shot or wounded. He's going to do what it takes to find it. How many have ever shot an animal and ever had to track it? And the sad thing, there's times I, you know, you shoot something and you can't find it, and that's, a, that's terrible. But uh, this, this term for pursue means to follow. Committed to tracking the, the, the trail, the blood trail, and not stopping until you find it. We were down hunting hogs just a few weeks ago, and Micah shot a hog. And, and uh, I was, I don't know where I was, I showed up, and... And they were looking for blood, and I thought, oh, no. Because the guy that owned the place, you got to find that pig if you shoot it or you're charged for it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he probably shot a big pig, and we're not going to find it. Well, how long did it take us? And so what we're doing, we're all looking. We're down like here looking on the ground. There's a speck of blood, there, then nothing. And then we'd go a while and then find a speck of blood. Finally, we'd find more blood. And finally, we found the pig laying in in the woods, and he shot it again, and it was a big pig. I'm so glad we found it. But we were determined to find that pig. Now, think, put it in light, in this light. What if you were that serious and committed to the things of God? What if you were that committed, if I were that committed to reading the word every day, praying in other tongues, coming to church? I just today was over there praying, and I began to thank God for certain things, and I thank God for all of you for being so generous and being committed to church. But just... You know, if we'd be that committed to the things of God, we'd be spiritual giants. The other term for this Greek word for persecute or for um, pursue is persecute. Is that a strong word? How many have ever been persecuted? To persecute means someone who's deliberately hunting an individual down. Remember the Apostle Paul before he got saved? It involves a well-executed plan to entrap the individual in order to punish them. That's what Rick Renner says. That's the Greek definition, basically, for persecute. To hunt that person down. In other words, you're so focused. You're thinking about it. You're planning. You're strategizing how you're going to get this individual. Look at Acts 22. Acts chapter 22. Acts 22 and verse 4. We're talking about the pursuit of purpose today. This is the fourth step out of seven. 
In other words, you need to be committed to what God's called you to do. Listen, if you're going to be belong to a church, be committed. That's not fair because you grew up in the church. I said, if, if you're going to be committed, you're going to go to church, whether you feel like it or not. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 22 and verse 4, it says, I persecuted this way. This is Paul. I persecuted this way or the church to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Now, is that strong? Look over at um, Acts 26. Acts chapter 26, verse 11. This, this is, you know, the word for pursue. It means to persecute. 26 in verse 11. It says, and Paul said, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I pers- persecuted them even to the foreign cities. In other words, he hunted them down. Was he committed? Was he passionate? Yes, he was in pursuing what he thought was the God purpose, and it wasn't, was it? He found out later his true calling in life. Finally, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I'll read it to you. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He kept the faith. He fought the good fight. In other words, he went after it, okay? There's There's another one. I want to give you, and uh, let me find it. Look in Philippians chapter 3. Now, next week, I want to just lay a little groundwork about the definition of pursue. Then I'm going to give you an example next week. It's a man of God that pursued a man of God. And I tell you what, because he was passionate about pursuing the man of God, he was blessed. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 12. Verse verse 12. This Paul again. He says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I what? That's another another definition for pursue in the Greek. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended the one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. I what? Press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want to finish today. It's short because Blake's visiting. I I want him to come back. Let me ask you this. This doesn't, you know, well, you're going to know where I stand anyway, so that's ridiculous to even tell you to make any difference. But would Trump be our president today if he wasn't passionate about pursuing the office of the president of the United States? And, yeah, we don't agree with everything that happened on Republicans or Democrats, but was he passionate in pursuing it? Yes, he was. And that's what drives people. But, you know, that's the thing, people. You've got to be p- 
passionate. You've got to go after and pursue God's purpose for your life. Now, I'll end with this. How many of you have this devotional? I won't ask you if you read it this week. I'll be, I'll be nice. I read it every day. I, I, I give them away. But there's one, there were like three or four, five this week. What was it about? You remember? If there were five, well, I, can't, I shouldn't say this week because it might have gone on in the week before, but it started on Sunday, March 19th. Would that have been last week? Okay. What was it on? If you read the devotional, you'd know there were five different days on this subject. <laughs> we, I'm the same way. I'll read something and then I'll totally forget what I just read. So I will grant mercy today. All right. It was on how change happens. Remember how change happens. And listen, if you didn't read it, then say, Pastor. That, mean, that means follow me here. Pastor, you're great. No, that was another one. Pastor, I will read last week's devotion on change. And then when next week comes around and I say, did you read it? And I'll say, what, did you, what was it about? You'll go, change. How change happens? Change happens through crisis. In a crisis right now, then get ready for change. Change happens, now this is what I want to read to you, through commitment. Because that's what we're talking about today. Would you go up there, please? Change happens through commitment. Everyone say commitment. When you married that individual, did you commit to him for the rest of your life? This is what it says about commitment last Monday, March 20th. And this is a story about Jacob. Remember Jacob? What kind of guy was he? Deceiver. He was a deceiver. It says, change happens through commitment. When Jacob realized he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This, you know, this would be a good thing to, maybe you've taught on that, about Jacob wrestling, and he wouldn't let go. It's an attitude. He says, that's what it takes, commitment. Jacob was committed and persistent. He stuck with it until he worked his way through it. He didn't like where he was any more than you do. Did you ever get to a place where you just didn't like where you were? Dissatisfied, frustrated, didn't like what was going on? It was frustrating and it was getting Jacob down but he was totally committed to sticking with it until God turned it around for his good. Did you hear that? Oh, I, I just, I don't like the way that preacher preaches at the church. He's not kind. He's not nice. I always feel beat up when he leaves. Well, stick with it. Because next week there might be a healing service. But if you don't stick with me, you're going to miss out. He was totally committed to sticking with it until God turned it around for his good. When God gets our attention through a crisis, he doesn't always solve it immediately. Can you say amen to that? 
Sometimes he waits to see whether we really mean business. We're so conditioned to instant everything, instant food, instant internet access, instant success, that when we don't get an immediate answer to our prayer or an instant turnaround, we say, God, forget it. The fact is, you didn't get into this mess overnight, and you're not going to get out of it overnight. Boy, that's good. Sometimes God has to remove our weaknesses layer by layer. Experts tell us it takes six weeks of doing the same thing every day before it becomes a habit. Think of, it that, think of that in terms of developing the habit of praying and reading your Bible each day or relearning to love your spouse. That's six weeks, 42 days, over a thousand year hours, and Satan will fight you at every turn. So what should you do? Spend time with God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What was the sermon about today? Somebody might ask you. Oh, about pursuing God's purpose. About being committed. How many of you remember when you first got born again? What were you like? Excited? All you could think about when's in the next service. Boy, that's every pastor's dream. The people in the Monday morning, I can hardly wait till I get to church next Sunday. <laughs> we need to be committed. And I say this with all sincerity of heart. I want you committed here at Harvest Church. Because half-hearted commitment isn't going to, we're not going to accomplish anything. But the thing that I really want you to be committed to and pursuing is your love for God. He has to be number one. Every day of the week, He has to be number one in your life. I want to see you, the people of Harvest Church, fulfill your spiritual destiny. Well, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be this. I'm not a worship leader. I'm not that. I'm not that. Quit saying what you're not and trying to be like someone else and just do what God's called you to do. Get down in the dirt and spend time on the ground on your knees and discover what God wants you to do.